After a tough loss this weekend, the Braves have a get-right game coming up. So let's get to some Braves talk. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to episode three of Braves Talk. This is the Iceman, Matt Freights, as always. And on the other side are Peoria natives, the OG Rick Powell and the coach Brad Powell. What's up, gents? Iceman, doing really, really well. Happy to be back here talking a little Bradley basketball. Obviously, uh, not the circumstances we were hoping to uh, be having the show under today, but still uh, plenty to talk about and plenty to look forward to. That is correct, gentlemen. So... As we head in, first of all, I want to ask you before we get into it. Do you guys watch Super Bowl? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people in that neck of the woods are very, very excited. And I myself have Chiefs fatigue, so I'm sorry to everybody who's listening or watching. But, uh, it, it, you know, you watch greatness and it's fun for a while, but I'm a little bit tired of it. And I woke up this morning and I was tired and I was like, do I really have the energy for this today? But Talking Braves has revigor- invigorated me right? Rejuvenated me. And college basketball season has never felt so exciting. So let's get into Saturday's game and let's get into some initial thoughts. 74-67 loss in regulation to Drake. Uh, Not the outcome I think everybody was looking for. Down big early again. They made another second half comeback. Couldn't quite keep the, the lead. Couldn't quite get over the hump. The refs had a lot to say in this game, especially in the second half. Duke Dean had another great game pacing the team, 23 points. But, man, Tucker DeVries just crushed in, in this game. Felt like it was kind of his night. And Darnell Brody, late in the game, I think scored their last 13 points and was clutch from the free throw line. So inconsistent in some ways, but, again, positives to take. But what did you guys think? So I'm not a not a fan. You disagree with me on this. I'm not a fan of blaming the officials because – there's a lot of things you're in control over that can dictate the outcome of the game, but uh, there's no denying that their involvement in this game. But you know that's been my opinion since Saturday night. But digging into the box scores a little bit today, there's there's some interesting takeaways, and that is that both teams ended up with 15 personal fouls. Um, Bradley actually shot two more free throws than Drake did. Uh, the difference is Bradley went six to 14, Drake went 10 to 12, and then you know so. I, maybe it's just like timely fouls. I mean, I felt like the game wasn't officiated the same on both ends of the floor in several different scenarios. And I get that everybody probably feels that way when they when they watch a game, you know, through the lens of being a fan of their team. But it was frustrating, man, really frustrating. And it was extremely frustrating when Darren DeVries called timeout to basically just, just get in the official's ear for the entirety of it. And uh, both him and Tucker were kind of working the refs uh, throughout the game, I thought. And I I don't – go ahead. Sorry, that's what they do. Sure. And, I mean, a lot of people do that. And it's it's part of a lot of different people's game plans. But I feel like – I don't know if early on in his tenure if, if Brian Wardle burnt some bridges uh, with the officials and things like that. Because in my opinion, I don't feel like he really gets after him 
like beyond what you would expect of a coach right now. Now, who knows what he's actually saying to them? I guess he could be saying awful things, but it, it just seems like he's not going to get any favors from anybody. I mean, it feels that way a lot. And I'm not saying you should expect favors, but just when when the game is not officiated the same on both ends of the floor, it's extremely frustrating. But like I said, when you break down the numbers, 15 personal fouls both ways, Bradley shot two more free throws. Uh, a couple things I thought to, that stuck out to me when looking through the box score. Bench points favored Drake, 18-8. to eight. And I'm sure Dad's got some comments to make about... Uh, uh, <laughs> no. Nope, not going to say it. Okay, that's fine. But... Um, well, whoa, 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 whoa. why not going to get in an on the radio heavy debate like we did the other day? Why not? That's what this show is all about. If you're if you're watching right now and you have thoughts on what happened in that game, sp- particularly to what Rick is not saying, please let us know well, in the chat or text will, us because that's what the show is for. It's, it's out there, right? Say it's it. out there. So uh, there was a comment made on the post game show by Co- Coach Wardle that he couldn't trust his bench and didn't trust the bench late in the game. Now, me and my dad have different opinions on that statement. Um, I look at it sort of in a vacuum that in that big moment, based on the way the bench had played up to that point in time, you know, like I said, eight total bench points, he didn't feel confidence. He didn't have a lot of confidence in putting uh, putting the bench in at that point in time and having to rely on them in big moments. Now, should that be the case? No. I mean, all of us wish that weren't the case. I don't know if you want to share any of your thoughts on that matter. I mean, I think it's relevant. Well, I just think, and I know maybe even some of the fans out there with certain players, you know, I think every everybody will favor that that uh, Kyle Thomas definitely needs more time on the floor. Well, and, and Coach Wardle said earlier in the year, you know, before we even lost the two guards, Pettigrew and, and Ellis, said these guys, what they need is court time, you know, in the games. You know, I mean, practice is practice. You you learn fine points from practice, but putting it into actual application during a game, we cannot in practice adequately present a Brody. That's just not going to happen. You can go through the steps, what our players should do, but until you actually hit the court and do it. And if there's little flaws that our guys are not doing, you need to explain that to them a little bit more. This is what we were talking about in practice. You need to do this. And then give them another chance or even two, get out there and let's see you do it. I got confidence in you. Don't tell them you don't have confidence in them. Give them that positive push. And they'll respond. Well, you know, in my opinion, I mean, they, they will. I mean, they're going to be slow, sluggish. You know, and some of them are freshmen. Sure, but this isn't. It might, this isn't participation trophy time. This isn't. Um, I get that. You know, in the last five minutes in a game against Drake at home with second place in the league on the line, that's not a time to go in and feel your way through things and, and learn on the job. Um, and when you start trying to mount a comeback. And so is it unfortunate for us that we've got to play those starting five? so many minutes uh that is that going to come back to bite us at some point is it coming back to bite us already possibly but when the game is on the line you want people in there that you trust uh, the people that you trust the most and we i mean i think that as a fan i mean is there anyone else that wishes that there were certain players from the bench in there in those moments instead of some of the folks that were on the floor i, I don't know that anyone would 
passionately or adamantly defend having one of those other guys out there in those moments because to that point in time, they hadn't given us a whole lot. And sometimes it's just not your night. There have been other nights where folks have come off the bench and been a huge addition to what's happening. But I don't I don't think it's a, a knock. I don't think that's like something that those guys should take personally in the sense of like, hey, like you don't trust me. Well, like I, I thought. I mean, I hope they don't take it personally. Sure. I mean, you know, but they do look a lot of times. I mean, like, you know, they're just extremely uptight you know, in making mistakes and everybody wants to play, but when you're so uptight, sometimes your mistakes compound themselves by, by being like that. But isn't there an argument to be made, Brad, that sometimes, right? Like, so think about it this way, right? Some of these freshmen, they're going to be on the team next year. And if, if coach Wardle is saying publicly, I think that's what Rick, I think you're taking, you're taking offense to, right? It's the public nature of saying like, I don't trust my bench in this game. But also, Brad, doesn't the, the additional playing time allow for maybe some matchups that could actually favor them in specific spots in the game? Because we are getting to the point where the games matter the most now. But if you're going to ask everything of these five guys every single time and they can't deliver every single time, you have a bench that you have to do something with. And I don't know enough about the team to say which guy is should be the one. But aren't there arguments to be made that Coach Wardle should be trying some of these things out because maybe there is a solution in there that can help in some of these games where you're going to need to go to the bench because a Hickman has an ankle that gets rolled and he's not 100%. You need somebody else to pick up the slack for a little bit. Well, that's all I'm saying. I mean, these guys that you're not trusting, you know, we're hoping they're coming back next year. You know, the ones that you're playing, and if you're saying you don't trust them, you know, they got an off season to work on some stuff and hopefully they come back and work on it and they're going to be the ones out there next year or the ones coming off the bench, you know, and they're going to be better for it. Let's, you know, I'll give my example, uh, Almar Atlison. He's a good three-point shooter, but some of his three-point shooting right now has taken a back seat to learning how to play defense. And he is a lot better now than what he was at the beginning of the year but he still has flaws in that. And we still keep putting him up. There was a guy sitting like two or three seats away from me and I wanted to get up and just, you know, smack him. But, you know, I'm Jesus. the guy I am, no. But no, he said <laughs> he got called for a foul on Brody and he got pushed into Brody and, and they called a foul on Allison and guy, you know, sitting a couple of seats down from me said, get him out of the game and don't let him back in. I'm like shaking my head as this. Man, he's got to play. The, he, that's how he's learning. So, my, I mean, my stance on Almar is that, um, yes, he, he, you know, he was brought in because one of the reasons he was brought in is because of his shooting ability. And if he's not doing that at a, at a reasonable clip, it is, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to justify putting him out on the floor and keeping him out there for as long as we are because of some of the other deficiencies that are there. Now, do I think he's improved defensively? Yes. Does he appear to be giving great effort? Yes. And though all those things matter. And and right now I think he is the best option um more and more often than not uh to have out there, you know, have in the starting five or whatever. And then the start, you know, Wardle said before, it's not who starts, it's who finishes. And so I don't put a lot of weight into the starting lineup. But I mean, even with the way he's shooting, he still kind of he still demands attention. Um on the offensive end of the floor. And I do think he helps spread the floor out a little bit. I wish he had a little quicker trigger sometimes. And 
I mean, I wish we all did. I feel like they all kind of um, at times we hesitate when, you know, if we just got the ball and shot it. Um, you know, if, oh, my God. <laughs> I was seeing that what you were saying last week where it's like there's open threes and they're like, now let's head fake and, and try to get something in closer. And I'm like, you're open. I was actually getting frustrated at times watching it and probably because you said yeah, something. Well, and it feels like paralysis by analysis sometimes. Like we're just overthinking it and not playing ball, you know. Uh, I wish, you know, I just wish there was that, um, just that muscle memory, man, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. Because you never you never know what could happen in those moments, you know. You could draw some contact. We could be that, the team getting fouled it. on a three-pointer for yeah, once, you yeah, know. That's it. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah. you know, there, there are other things, you know, that – that there were other things that contributed to that loss. And, you know, those types of things would be, like I said, I mentioned the bench points, 18 to eight and, you know, shooting just under 46% from the field, isn't a recipe for success either. And, you know, seven for 24 from three for 29%, again, not going to get it done most nights, especially, especially against a team like this. And, uh, and the thing is those defensively, we turned them over 16 times. Um, which, which is what you want to see. And it just seems like we haven't been able to put, not that we were great defensively all night long, but we haven't been able to put both ends of the floor together for two halves yet yeah. this season. And um, if that happens, like, watch out, right? But it is, it is, it's frustrating at times that we're at the point we are and we've been unable to, to do that. Uh, but all that being said, all those sort of mistakes, all those disparities, that exist on the box score, we were still right there with a chance to win. And that's what gives you hope yes. moving forward is even with all those things, we could have done much, much better. We were still right there with a chance to win the, win the basketball game. And that's what keeps me engaged. You know, it'd be a different story. I'd probably feel differently if I felt like we played as best as we possibly could and it still just wasn't enough. Um, but that wasn't the case. And so I, that does give me hope uh, as we continue through the rest of the season and going into arch madness and yeah you know todd mentioned free throws yeah free throws were uh they were abysmal and i got i got it here um especially late yeah like late in the second half six for 14 oh rebounds late we were actually ahead in rebounds for a little while and then you know we lost that battle by seven but i mean and a lot of it came late with uh brody in there throwing our guys out of the way and then going getting offensive rebound you know putting them back in for for scores and a foul and the thing is, they were killing us early. I say us, but they they were killing Bradley early with the transition, like really, really bad right. in transition. And Brody got into foul trouble. That was one thing that we needed because Meta, one of the keys to the game that we said last week was Meta needed some minutes. He got five because he stepped on Connor Hink, Hickman's uh, ankle and never saw the light of day after that. So your size that you need to contend with Brody was gone by that point, but he got into foul trouble. And then, of course, he plays in foul trouble and scores the final 13 points for Drake, which is like the exact opposite of what you need. And he was clutched from the free throw line too, like five or six. And that was at a time where Hickman couldn't get a layup to go down, couldn't get any free throws to go down. And those are, as you said, Brad, these are recipes for disaster. They're not recipes for success. I don't know if the ankle had anything to do with... It probably did. Well, only reason I say that is because I think early on in the season, especially... You know, Hick was having troubles at the line anyway. I mean, that's before he even hurt his ankle the first time. But you, you can't say that that didn't have an impact. No, I'm not going to 100% say it didn't. It's probably just, up here, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you're starting to think. When you're hurt, you think too yep. much. I mean, And the muscle memory part of it goes away. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened. 
But when I watched this game from an outsider's perspective, I felt like I felt like Drake was on the ropes and Tucker DeVries knew that and decided to work the refs, to oh, work yeah. the angles. I'm not saying it worked, but that's yeah. what your veteran guys are supposed to do. See when the team needs something and he decided that was what they needed because he was doing everything he could on the floor. Yep. So it's not like he could do all that much more. I need, let me go. Bradley had him. Let me go back to on the the refs for a minute. I used to be a high school sure. football official. So, I mean, I kind of get some things. Bonafides. There is what matters, even though the numbers, you know, the number of fouls called and such were, were very even. Where I think the problem is, is one, the calls aren't the same on both ends. And that happens a lot, even at home games. I mean, the other team always seems to be able to come down and bang us when we're, you know, going in for laps and stuff and no fouls called. We touch foul them going in and it's foul. So I think it's, there's a lot to do with when they're called. You know, are they shooting fouls? You know, especially on the ones where the, you know, the shooting, you know, the free throw attempts are way more than what we're shooting. But then the other thing it does, it affects, the play of the game fouls. And if one team's getting called for, you know, touch fouls and they're getting hammered on the other end, it affects how everybody plays. And then the other factor is, you know, if DeVries is getting away with all kinds of fouls and not getting them called on, I know he ended up with four, you know, or Brody or, you know, I mean, it has an effect on, on a player's game if he's getting two fouls, three fouls in the first half or whatever, a quick third one in the beginning of the second. So it's when they happen. But I like consistency. And a rule's a rule, a foul's a foul. You see it, call it both ways. You know, you don't want it to get touch fouls. I mean, that's part of the game, being playing physical. That's part of the game. But there's a hammer on one end and a touch foul on the other. Sometimes it, I, I wonder if it's how we play offensively. If if the the way we play offensively, we we're not incredibly physical in the post and attacking the basket. I wonder if that plays against us. You know, I wonder if we were more aggressive at the rim to and try to initiate more contact. If that would work in our favor some, uh, because it seems like people well, do that to us a lot. But well, we get that when when. Birch drives. And a lot of times, he, you know, I mean, the fouls are called when Birch drives and puts one up. Some, you know, sometimes they're not because he loses them before he gets there. And yep, DeVries protect by officials. I dis, you know, I don't disagree with that. I disagree with officials doing that. I don't care if you're a stud player, NBA type player, you know, you break, you know, you foul somebody, you got to call it. You walk, you got to call it. I don't care how good and you some, are. It's, it's, sometimes it comes down to when they do it too. Yeah. Like that's the frustrating part is like, why does it always seem to be the most ticky tack of fouls when the game is on the line? Yeah. Right. Guys coming off of the screen, getting absolutely blasted. Nothing's called stuff like that. That does frustrate me as a fan. And Brad, you and I talk about this all the time. All we want is consistency in officiating. It doesn't matter whether they're, it's like in, in baseball. I don't care if he's got a wide strike zone as long as it's wide yeah. for everybody. So yeah. it's frustrating on both ends. But when you're calling things differently. The only thing consistent I've seen with officials every game this year has been inconsistency. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. So we have a comment about from Todd about the 
the you know, Wardle not getting the benefit of the doubt. I want to ask you guys, and you know, we talk about players having preferential treatment from the referees, but how much of it do you think the coach's attitude toward officials and and toward, I guess, or having an, an irreverent a perspective on refereeing, do you think has anything to do with yeah. how these guys call the game? Yeah. Like, is there well, is there I think, validity to that for real? I think that because um, Wardle hasn't been as hard on officials the last year or so, but I'll go back to, was it two years ago in Indiana State? There was a timeout. Wardle was in talking to his players. Official busted into his. It was Gary Maxwell. Into Came the, in the huddle. Into the huddle. And Wardle said something, you know, I don't know what he said, but turned to him or whatever and went back to instructing his guys. The official came out and teed him up. Yeah, basically teed him up for not our, not engaging him um, is what it appeared, uh, at least. <laughs> and I'm like, so, and I haven't seen that guy. We've I had think him. You have. We've had him this year. But, you know, he may have got him in trouble. And that may have had him at uh, Evansville. May have, I want to say. May have put some other officials on notice for Wardle and well, a lot know, of the, so, and, and, you know, I don't know. I just, I haven't seen, I've seen Wardle get more upset within his own huddle for other things than, than him getting on officials. Yeah. Well, I think that he knows he doesn't have a lot of runway and so he doesn't push it too much. Uh, Cause there's times he just throws his hands up um, and walks away because I think he, he realizes that uh, he may have a shorter leash than others. And, I do think that it, like Dad said, I don't think lately it's been so bad. Last couple of years, it seems like the uh, antics towards the officials have really antics is a bad word to use, but for lack of a better term, have really toned down a lot. Um, but I think the damage may already be done, like we talked about at the beginning, and it stinks that that's the case. But it it happens. Um, even when you know when I was coaching high school football, man, there's a couple guys, a couple coaches around the area that have been coaching forever that you know had won state championships, things like that, and it was like you were never going to get a call in those situations. Uh, they, they were going to get the calls. You were, you know, you were fighting an uphill battle uh, more so than you already were against a better opponent. Yeah. And that's, it just stinks that that's yeah. the way it is. And I guess it's just human nature. No, he, I'm, I will say he, he's not, not saying anything to officials. Cause I have seen him, you know, you know, throw out his arms, you know, like where's the call, but Maybe he's a silent assassin as they come down and yeah. stand next to him when he appears. He's just coaching. Now, and, and there's a reason we've got our seats where our seats are because <laughs> outside of the money. But, you know, if I was if I was on the sidelines, I'd probably be banned from games. <laughs> That's good to know that uh, this show has a shelf life because uh, you can't keep your mouth shut on the sideline. So I'll be sure to keep that in mind. But. One of the things also that I wanted to talk about was the slow start stuff because this team plays fast. They obviously have the ability to score, come back. We've seen that throughout the course of the season. So this is two big games in a row now, or two games in a row now, where they've started really slow. And I know that, Brad, you made mention to how Coach Wardle coaches his team, that there is a certain level of anxiety that can come with playing for Coach Wardle. The players love to play for him, but he's a tough coach, asks a lot, high expectations. And... How much of that, knowing that their coach has such high expectations, do you think can lend itself to skids like this where they don't want to make a mistake early and then those mistakes that they make because they're trying not to make a mistake end up compounding on themselves? I think that happens a little bit in the sense that, you know, they come out trying to execute the game plan 
And, you know, if we miss a shot, if you get beat on defense, it, it seems like the willingness to take that chance decreases significantly after that. And and that sucks to see the confidence fade so quickly. And part of it is just being a 20-year-old young man that is, you know, just still trying to build your confidence as a human being, you know, and as, as a young man, let alone a Division One basketball player. But I think that – I don't – I think it plays into it for sure. To what extent, it's hard to, I guess, measure. But we can't make a, a habit out of doing this. It's got to be exhausting to claw your way back into these games and and to have to do it in consecutive games and then like to, to put forth all that effort and to still not get the win. So not only, I mean, the physical exhaustion, but, I mean, that, that's got to be mentally taxing. I think that you can trick yourself in the, uh, you know, kind of that mind over matter thing if you get the win, you know what I mean? Like you can convince yourself that, Hey, we're good to go, man. I feel good. But the mental weight that has to come from battling that hard to get back in the game and, and still coming up short has got to be significant for sure. What do you think, Rick? Yeah. And I agree with Brad pretty much all of it. Good. Very dynamite succinct. take, yeah. dad. Yep. I, <laughs> dynamite take, very <laughs> succinct. So let's move on to look at the big picture here. So some things have changed. Nothing's changed for Bradley. Still the three seed projected right now. Some of the teams right below them have changed a little bit. So if the tournament were to start today, they'd be worried about who'd be coming out of the UIC Northern Iowa game, which is a little bit of a different matchup than I think we were talking about last week. But for Bradley right now, Firmly in third place in the league. I think they're still projected to be there. So as long as they continue to take care of business, uh, that's what we're looking at here. So let's move on to this coming week's game, which is against UIC, one of the bottom feeders. No offense to them, but in the league, coming in at 3-11. and And I know you guys don't have a whole lot of analysis on this. This is a game that should be a quote-unquote get-right game for them. As long as they don't have another slow start, I think they could use a fast start. So what do you think are some keys to the game, Rick? Yeah, I think we uh, got the one kid. I can't pronounce his name. Um, we got the two, not got the two guys. Who, uh, good player A and good stop. player B. Yeah. That's right. well, I know Jones is the other guy. Safe. You know, I mean, against Northern Iowa, and they actually beat them. You know, of course, that was a home game for them. Not by a lot, but they still beat them. But uh, uh, Jones and Told, 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 I, I something like that. Me? I don't know. But, but anyway, they both scored <laughs> in the twenties. Both those guys. Everybody else. I mean, no one scored more than nine. But so I mean, we come out defensively and we play our game, hit our shots, relax a little bit. Um, that's the key. You know, that's, relax. that's yeah, that's the big. Thing. I mean, come out, relax. <laughs> really, you know, just come no, out, relax, is. hit your shots. You know, and you know. Just, let the smoke settle and see where we're at the end. But, uh, I mean, those that's about the only thing I have, you know, on the UIC. We should win it, should win it by double digits. Pretty easy, in my opinion. That's a scary, that's that's a scary thing to say. I think um, we, well, hold on, Brad, because your dad in the comment section last week predicted that Bradley was going to win by 12. So I don't know how yeah. you feel about his take <laughs> now. So continue. I, yeah. So, anyways, um, I think that these guys need to come out and see the ball go in the basket. Uh, that is a huge thing right now. Some of these guys, you know, Atlas and Christian Davis, um, you know, Hick and Duke have been streaky. It's like their points have come in bunches, it feels like. I'm not so worried about them 
offensively. It seems like they find a way to get theirs even with slow starts. But it's the, that supporting cast, like I said, of Almar and, and Christian Davis seeing the ball go in the basket from, from three-point range especially. Malavai seemed to get a stroke back a little bit um, Saturday against Drake, which was nice to see. I mean, this game is, way, in my opinion, way more about Bradley than it is about UIC. And it, it's, a, it's a nice time probably for Bradley to have a game like this against an opponent like this. And I'm not trying to disrespect UIC in any way, shape, or form, but the, the facts are what they are. They are one of the um, lesser teams in the league this year. I, I do think that there's some hope for them in the future, but right now they're they're still at the bottom of the league and Bradley's sitting up there returning champs and, and third currently. And this is a game you should expect to uh, control from wire to wire. And, that's kind of what I'm looking for out of this, a get-right game, as you put it, and uh, build back some of that confidence that may be wavering after the last couple of losses uh, and and maybe try you know, kind of get that big exhale that maybe, okay, like, we can do this. Like, let's get back on track and, and see where things go from there. I agree. It's like when you see a boxer just sort of, like, relax a little bit, starts to open up, and it's like now the game plan is coming. You want to see them own have some ring generalship in this game. Don't come out and have it be close. Don't let them be close late in the into the second half. Take care of your business and and get the W. And I think that that's what's going to happen as well because I think that there are just talent disparities. But what makes me nervous is how sluggish they've come out and how anxious they have looked. And so the deep breath, the exhale, we want them to relax. But Todd, I, I do want to to address your comment where you said if we lose to UIC that you are going to quit. And I just don't ask you, don't quit on us, please. Because we're here to talk you through all of the feelings that you're going through with Bradley basketball. And I realize that since I came on board, the team has not won a game yet. But trust me, we will get you through this. So please do not quit on us. So we're going to add something new this time where our OG, our resident yep. expert on all things Bradley, is going to look at other games within the Valley that are very important to Bradley's cause right now because unfortunately after two losses in a row the teams below them have moved a little bit closer and that three seed could be in jeopardy if they lose one of these games from here on out with Drake I think to end the season so Rick what are some of the games you think Bradley needs to not scoreboard watch but needs to be looking at because they they need to take care of their business but they need to kind of watch the other teams as well yeah well I, I kind of looked at it you know look, look at teams that results of games uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Saturday, Sunday, how they could affect our positioning, you know, third, fourth, whichever. Biggest one is the SIU Belmont game Wednesday night. Uh, SIU is one game behind us. Belmont is two. Right now they're sitting at SIU and Belmont. That's who I hope finishes fourth and fifth. Doesn't matter where either one finishes. But, well, the uh, difference between playing Thursday or not is, is relevant, I think. Yeah, well, for their sake, I mean, we don't care, but they. Yeah, I mean, in in the tournament, if you know, if that's who it is, if Belmont's say Belmont's third, SIU's fourth, or no, Belmont's fourth, SIU is fifth, they're on the other side of the bracket, and we won't see them until championship game if they even get that far. Who do we want to win that game? You think? And just because then that that just keeps Southern back another game, right? That actually, yeah, that actually gives us a two game buffer. That gives us two game buffer. Um. Do you guys and sweep we, Belmont? We go, do I? 
Do we sweep Belmont? We we only played them once Just this once, year, okay. and we beat them, so we hold the tiebreaker against them. So there's, there's another game coming up where we could extend the lead even more if Belmont wins. Yes, so, okay. we, gotcha. Yeah, we yeah Belmont wins. We play SIU yet again, and that would I mean that would give us a three game split. But the other games, uh, well, the other game for SIU that's really gonna be big, you know, and actually make the spread even bigger is they're at home. Saturday against Indiana State. So you got to pretty much, you know, that's, well, Indiana State, I ain't going to say because they just squeaked by Missouri State. So, and SIU, you just never know which team's going to show. But, uh, you know, you, you just assume automatically Indiana State's going to win that one. You know, I mean, maybe we kind of hope they do to push Southern back. Um, the other games is Murray State against, or, yeah, Murray State against Missouri State. I think that's Wednesday. And then Murray State Sunday is at Drake. Now, that puts, uh, let's see, um, uh, Murray State is 7-7, seven seven, so they're tied with Belmont. They're still, they're like two games back from us too. So, you know, if they come up with two losses, that puts them further back. So we could really see that over th- this week, we could really see the top three teams, I mean, yeah, we separate could, themselves we even could see, more from yeah, the Yeah, we could see pack. a little bit more definition. Yes. Or Especially very Wednesday. easily, or very easily, see things get even murkier yeah. in yeah. the middle. Now, I, I know we met. I mean, whether we finish second or third, because uh, there is, and I ain't gonna say this is gonna happen. I'm not, but it there is a possibility Drake could see three losses. They'd all be upsets, no doubt. But they play teams that are playing very well because yeah. this time of year, uh, and this hasn't happened in a while, but one through ten has been playing some very good basketball here the last couple of weeks, you know. Yeah, I got their all. slate here. So Drake finishes at home against Murray State, at home against Belmont, on the road at Northern Iowa, on the road at UIC, and then finishes at home against Bradley. So that's a – I mean, yeah, I can outside see, I of can... like Northern Iowa's not playing very well right now, and obviously USC, UIC is a, you know, a lower-level team, but Murray State and Belmont are playing pretty good basketball right yeah. now, and obviously we hope that Bradley's playing really Belmont, well. Belmont beat Drake by – 30-something. It was a home game for Belmont, but they did it without Gillespie, you know, and I think Brody has a heck of a time matching up with Dia, so that's, you know, they've got more scoring opportunities, I think, with, uh, or possibilities. They match up better with Drake than than most. Yeah, it'll be a tough home game for Drake to win that one, but, I mean, they can do it. And let's just be honest here. You love yourself some Belmont. Yeah, Belmont. I feel like you're a closet Belmont fan. No, it's okay. He hey, I'm a Riley fan, but I mean, you gotta like good basketball <laughs> wherever it comes from. I mean, you know, everybody was putting Indiana State what fourth, fifth, beginning of the season. Yeah, you you've been high on them since. I've, yeah, I was high the on summer. them since since well since uh, we played them last year in the semifinals, and they just cracked the top twenty five. Came in at yeah. twenty three this week, so yeah. get the valley's getting some respect. And I I will tell you guys that. Watching the game at Carver the other night, I know there was only, I say only 8,000 fans there. It's not a slight, but on television, it sounded like more, especially later in the game. So the home field or the home court advantages for some of these schools, I think, matter because the basketball matters. And that's exactly what you're saying, Rick. But yeah. the other thing, too, you talk about Northern Iowa struggling. Well, they have a, also their own get-right game this week against Valpo, which is pretty much a get-right game for everybody. But, Brad, yeah. don't you kind of 
worry about a team that has such a veteran coach, even if they're playing poorly, you have you have that veteran leadership that could kind of right the ship for one game to screw somebody's season over. Oh, for sure. And like last week, Jonah asked about, is there a team that Bradley wants to avoid in the tournament? And obviously, you know, having the confidence in this team, I'm like, you know, bring on whoever. Let's go. Um, we got to take care of business either way. But I could probably go, you know, one through ten, like Dad said. And uh, and no disres- no disrespect to Valpor UIC. They're just they're just not on that next level yet. I could go one through ten and give you reasons why I'm hesitant. I'd be hesitant to play that team in Arch Madness or, or legitimate concerns I have about uh, about that opponent and. And that's, I just think it shows the depth of this league, even even with maybe where you may see some of these teams fall in the, in the net ratings and stuff like that. These are well-coached teams that have good players that, and sometimes it just takes a while to to get it together a little bit and get on a roll. But like you mentioned too uh, on Saturday, this, it's a winner, winner go home scenario. So you're going to get, you know, everybody's going to be in desperation mode. And then you do have just that, that hope, right? That that little nugget that's out there of, hey, if we can just get hot and win three or four games in a row, um, we can go dancing. And so that hope can be a dangerous thing, especially if you're one of these better teams and, and you let one of these teams that gets hot to hang around. Um, that's dangerous. I think, you know, if you're one of those top four teams, you have to come out against those lesser opponents and assert yourself immediately. Uh, and just kind of remove all hope from the equation, because if you give you let those people stick around and give them hope, that's when things get crazy. I mean, is um, it fair? Is it fair that more than half of the league could get hot and make the tournament by winning oh, Arch Madness right now? It, it just it's that's just a. Uh, I mean, it's been a while. I, I don't know that just if there's ever been like a long the valley has, has gotten. Yeah, I mean, I and I'm sure there's some historians out there dad might be able to drag it up uh in his brain there but um like bradley was a five seed that won it in 2019 but i'm trying to think has there been a lower seed now in 2020 they played valparaiso in the championship and valpo that was was, the first time that valpo came from thursday yeah so they were one of the bottom four teams they came from thursday all the way to the championship game uh and And they gave us a game for a half yeah, was that, that Freeman that Liberty, right? Was that his name? He was a stud. Yeah. That sounds great. They, sounds like their a legs, Their legs was just rubber, and, you know, we just, like, littered up second half. Well, you, but, it, it, it takes, so, like, for these not-as-talented squads, it takes more to make those runs. And Virginia Tech did it a couple of seasons ago when they won the ACC, and then they get to the tournament, and you can just see it right from the tip. They look like they have nothing. Because that run to win the ACC yeah, um, champ- the tournament took way too much out of them because they're not on the same level as some of these yeah. other squads. But the, as you said, Brad, the nugget is there. And that's the danger, right? The hope, hopium in this tournament is what makes other teams dangerous. And what I'm concerned about as, an, again, an outsider, but becoming more of an insider, is seeing Bradley trending downward after these two games at the most crucial time. And you said it, Brian Wardle's teams generally play their best in February. Well, we're running out of February, my man. So like, it's got to get picked up at some point. Yeah, we'll get to, I, I was sitting, sitting there looking at, at uh, the standings right now and how it sort of looks for the tournament. And that is who we should play. And I'll look back to Jonah on this one is we hope 
UNI and UIC, which will be the 6 and the 11 seed, assuming that we're going to be the third seed. We hope that that's who finishes in 6 and six and 11. Then you figure UNI. We have a better chance of beating either of those two teams. Well, and if you can't, then none of this matters, right? I mean, that's, that's well, really that's it true. when it comes down to it. But I'm just saying, you know, your better pathway is for that as opposed to a Murray State. There's landmines everywhere, man. Uh, oh, no kidding. That's, I mean, that's the thing. For everybody, and if anybody's actually sat back and watched Indiana State play in the last week and a half, you can tell they're a six-man rotation team in middle of February. They they are playing close games where early in this earlier they were beating teams pretty convincingly. You know, they they're getting to where you can actually see they're still good. Don't get me wrong, because they've, they've only lost one conference game. Yeah, well, that plays into what Kevin said. I'm going to put it back up there real quick about, you know, Wardle, get, Wardle gets the boys playing good basketball late in the year, but this group seems to have tired legs. So yes. the same could be said about this Bradley team because, yep. and we talked about that right at the top a little bit, that, you know, the whole not trusting the bench situation. Uh, but, you know, we, we're also paying the price for that at the same time because these guys are playing a lot of minutes yeah. and we're getting down to – that well, time of we're year not going to get through the tournament without. We need a Luckman Lundy. Our we need a Luckman Lundy from 2019. <laughs> we need one of these guys to, uh, to kind of catch fire here and, uh, you know, kind of breathe some life uh, into this group. Some much needed, uh, a much needed pick me up uh, from somebody on the bench to really get us going. And it's, it's really, it's going to take that, I think, to to get to where this team wants to get. And I think we have capable people. But you know, Birch, yeah, gonna have gonna yep. have to be Birch. He's probably yeah, the guy, more. and he's he's. I feel we like he's more. taking steps. He's taking steps uh, in that direction. I thought he played really well. He's starting to Saturday. He's not totally, but he's starting to come around to play within himself. You, well, you see him starting to. Um, he's playing. He's playing with a little bit more restraint, and and not in a bad way, like more control. So earlier in the year, if he would come down and maybe miss a layup or whatever and he'd turn around and run down and try to make up for it on defense and get a um get a dumb foul right and i kind of saw him saturday a little bit it seemed like a similar situation and he's running back down the floor and you see him kind of pull up a little bit like he knows like this isn't like i don't have to get this all back at once you know like you don't have to go you know make up for it just by playing great defense which he did uh he i thought he was really good defensively for the most part and a lot of disruptions. Yeah, I mean, and he does. He just plays the game very aggressively and, and intense. You know, I love watching. He's no, he fun took to the, watch. He took the ball right away from uh, DeVries in that second half with help of another guy who's guarding him. He'd come up there and just snug, snagged it right away from him. Well, two observations, fellas, as we come up to the end of this. Number one, the Valley, there's landmines everywhere. We're making that a T-shirt. And number two... If there are three people who do not have tired legs because we started at the end of the season, it would be the three of us. So we are going to be here throughout the entirety of the season for some Braves talking. There's only a couple more weeks to go, but we're going to be in it hot and heavy, gentlemen. So I hope that you are ready to break down a lot of college basketball between now and then. And hell, maybe if this works out, we'll start our own national show. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> that'd be wonderful. Right. Let's do it. Dad and <laughs> yes. I are kind of, uh, we're kicking around the idea of uh, we a went Belmont down to the- podcast. We went down, yeah, Belmont. So we went down to the, it'd be a, we would just troll Belmont the whole time. That's what it would be. Um, we went down to the championship game last year and uh, 
we, you know, we talked this year about, you know, I wanted to get all session tickets. The wife's work schedule is kind of wonky uh, leading up against the tournament. But um, we thought about maybe getting down possibly Friday night, uh, but maybe Saturday and then the Sunday at the tournament. So uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. There's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts to the situation, but it's a possibility. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It definitely would be. You guys would have to do something for it. But the only reason I can't do it is because Mr. James has a fourth birthday party right before Arch Madness. (laughs) And I want to make sure I'm available for our resident gambling degenerate. So gentlemen, I think we have done quite a bit of analysis here, but for everybody who is new to this, first of all, thank you again. I I don't think we can thank you enough for the response that we've gotten, the continued response. Even after the shit show last week where nothing worked at the beginning, we held it together and made up for it, I think. But if you want to find us and you haven't found us already, X at Iceman and Coach, Twitter at INC Sports, Facebook INC Sports, the Matty S Media Network up here, MattySmedia.com, where Coach and I do Iceman and Coach. And if there's any sneaker people in here, I do a sneaker podcast called Fire Footwear. So you're more than welcome to listen to that. But gentlemen, it has been a pleasure as always. And to everybody who is watching, I always say this, Brad knows this. I hope this finds you well and safe. And we'll see you later this week for some Braves Talk. See you later, gentlemen. and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.